0: So you're gonna hear intro voice right now. Ready? All right. Nope, they'll do it later. Can't think of it right now. Can't get intro <laughs> voice going.
1: Beautiful. <laughs>
2: the
0: performance I per- I think that was, a, right there.
1: that was the perfect intro, to be honest. I think we just keep it like that. <laughs>
0: I'll I'll tell them. Dave, you heard it. You heard it. Tyler says we keep the intro like that. There you I go. It
2: sounds good. That's not gonna fly, y'all. This week. On Advanced Blockbuster Studies, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 3, Power Broker.
0: I'm Joseph DiNomizio, one of the hosts. I'm joined here today by
2: Tyler Bauer and Thomas Kowalski.
0: And we're going to talk about this fine episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier that dropped on Friday, uh, April 2nd exclusively on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, we're going to do a lot of cool stuff. But before we get there, you know, we had a little bit of trouble figuring out what we were going to call the show when we first started it. And we were like, that acronym sounds bad. This acronym sounds like anti-lock Breaks. But, you know, I was writing it down in my notebook the other day and I wrote down like an abbreviation, like real fast, because I'm watching the show and I'm doing my notes. And I wrote down ADVBS. And I was like, oh, no, now it's advanced BS. I don't. Is that... (laughs) Is that... (laughs) Is that our real acronym brand now? I hope not. I definitely hope not.
1: I think it depends on who you ask.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If you're not a fan of the MCU, probably yes. (laughs) But the good news is we are, and we like things that explodey, explodey, and actiony, actiony a lot. Um, So here we are discussing some of that stuff, which a lot of that happened uh, in today's episode. So, um, gosh, let's let's start with the MacGuffin on this one. Um, The super soldier serum uh, that has been floating around that I'm glad is now finally getting clarified uh, that that's what we're after. And um, my biggest issue, uh, let's start off at the beginning saying I like this episode, but one of my biggest issues is I'm starting to feel like this plot we've seen before, like got to go stop these super soldiers that are out there somewhere, seems a lot like what was going on at the end of, and through most of Civil War. Like they're retreading already well or at least touched on territory. What do you guys think? Do you see similarities in that or differences?
2: I, I definitely see what you mean. There's definitely a lot of similarities between the two stories, but I feel like they're doing this differently enough where it's not exactly uh, the same story told again. I mean, obviously you got the, uh, the change of the, uh, the main leads with Bucky and Sam. And then you've also got uh, the addition of uh, Zemo, at least for this episode, I think is, uh, uh, you know, I'm a big Zemo fan. Uh, so I think that's a great addition what else? I mean, uh, the fact that the super soldiers are, m- are much more of a present threat in the uh, the MCU, I think, is uh, also different because in Civil War and the Winter Soldier, they were just kind of on ice for what I understand.
1: I, I disagree with that point. I mean, I feel as if Civil War, yes, this was discussed in Civil War and everyone thought that Zemo was going to sit there and take the the Winter Soldiers, etc., uh, and try to go off and do world domination but that was a plot point among many plot points in Civil War. I mean, at the core of Civil War was the disagreement of the Sokovia Accords. I mean, the main fight scenes, everything that was along there, the only real taste of Super Soldier Serum was seeing the flashback of Bucky. And that was it. Although the characters sat there and thought, we're going to be stopping Super super Soldiers, that was never part of the plan the entire time. That was just their thoughts on it. So. I think that this is a completely different ball game. I think that it was a very, very good way of bringing Zemo into the fold of using the whole, oh, wait, well, you know, Bucky didn't know this going into it, but that Zemo has that negative affiliation with Super Soldiers and that made him jump on their side. I think that that was a really cool uh, way of explaining how this all kind of merges together. So yeah, I, I could see where you're coming from, but at the same time, respectfully disagree
0: and that's okay you know i take uh, both of your points and i think you're i think you're right and i think uh i think it was something that struck me and i was really curious i think this is the first episode i've been super curious about like where we all were going to land on something because i think we were really on the same page on the first one and now i think this episode in in full in full disclosure i liked it again didn't didn't do it and that was the first thing that was on my mind was like did that feel too similar did that feel the same did it feel just okay but I see where you guys are coming from on this one too. But what did you guys think of the whole episode?
1: I think that they expanded in so many ways from the individual character developments. I mean, I think that there was some really big moments, but just the the whole world in general. I mean, I'm going to butcher the name of, um, of, uh, and which, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it Maripor?
2: Madripoor? Yeah.
1: Which a
2: side fact that is actually a location in the comics. It's, Mostly so associated with uh, Wolverine and the X-Men.
1: Oh, that's cool. See, I didn't know that. That, that whole area, there's going to be callbacks to that location
2: you know
1: the Hawkeye series is going to go there. Because where's Ronan been for the past five years? With him being this this super assassin, you know that he's been there before. So they're going to be calling back to this area multiple times. So I think that this was a very good way of introducing something that we're going to be seeing multiple times. I could see it actually coming up within an MCU movie, the actual location. I, I liked this episode. I think it expanded. It gave me a lot of information as well. I felt as if I learned something. Sp- something going forward. Uh so yeah, I think it was a very well done episode. I liked it.
2: I am also going to agree with Tyler there. I really enjoyed this episode. I know uh Joe, I know you had some issues with it, but I uh, I'm loving it. I love the uh the chemistry between uh now the addition of uh Zemo to the team and then uh Sharon Carter later. I thought she was a great, you know, even though she wasn't there for long. I thought she would she had some nice chemistry there. And I I really like the action. I really like how they're developing a plot on this i really like we, we got a bit more backstory of Plague smashers and the uh the leader woman i forgot her name carly carly Morgenthau, yes yeah uh, i think it's a uh, i think these episodes are honestly just getting like better and better they're, they're hitting exactly what i want from
1: the series i think there's a lot of things that were introduced in this episode that's gonna have implications for the future also mm-hmm. for instance carly I keep on going back to her because I'm trying to figure her out. And from the scenes that we saw throughout the episode, and then the kind of final scene where she blows up that area was so uncharacteristic. It just almost seemed, it just didn't seem right. It was almost like, it w- I don't think that the writers purposely did that to be like, Oh yeah, she's a villain guys. Just remember that. I think it was more so a, a mention of is the super soldier serum comp- Complete and perfect because that was a very different kind of episode is there a chance that maybe there's side effects to taking it i think that that was a way to kind of indicate to us maybe something's off with it
2: um if you remember all the way back in 2008 in the incredible hulk film they were trying to yeah that's not one that's talked about uh frequently in the mcu they were talking or they were in that film in uh in the incredible hulk they were trying to recreate the super soldier serum, but, you know, obviously it did have some side effects with, you know, targeting uh, Banner into the Hulk. So maybe this is still probably better than turning him into a, a green <laughs> hulking monsters, but uh, it's still got like the uh, the mental uh, side effects, I guess. Yeah, I agree with everything there. One thing this episode did well is
0: that they mapped out that clear line of uh, of succession, right? Like you... If you were putting together a criminal case about who had the super soldier serum last, you could absolutely do it after watching this episode. <laughs> and they did it very well, right? They told you I did. I worked for Hydra. You know, then I went to the CIA. That's where I got the blood samples from these people. And then uh, now I've been I've been working on this last thing. I figured it out. It's awesome. Now I'm making this even better because I got zapped for five years. I like I like how this episode laid some things out like that pretty clearly. I liked how they had explanations for everything. I didn't like how how they had to explain everything all the time. And it felt like it was a plot exposition scene, plot exposition scene, Sharon Carter kicking tons of ass, plot exposition things, things explode a little bit more final exposition. I thought it was a little bit heavy on information dumps and none of it seemed natural. Like a lot of this stuff just seemed like it was there to give you the information because you needed it, not just because it, They got it. You know what I mean? Some of it didn't feel so natural. And Tyler, you had mentioned before we started recording the writer of this episode. You want to talk a little bit about that?
1: I didn't know it going into it, obviously. So when I watched the episode and they had that scene when um, the bounties come up on everyone's phone, I was like, this reminds me of something. And I was like, what is it? I kept on thinking about it and I realized what it was. It was John Wick. It was complete reminiscent of John Wick. And then I look it up and Derek Holstad, the writer of John Wick, wrote this episode. I, it's so so interesting the crossover i would have never thought that that he would jump into this kind of show so who knows maybe maybe we're gonna get john wick
2: in the uh, in the mcu now
1: maybe that's what <laughs> keanu reeves maybe it's all been there the entire time we
2: just didn't know about him. that that would be trippy i think that last bit might be a bit of a stretch but i um yeah i definitely you can see some of the john wick dna in this movie or in this uh this episode <laughs> especially with the uh the sharon carter fight scene in that like uh, that shipyard with the uh, container freight containers, uh, you that that was some like good choreographed fighting there, uh, and especially also when uh, Bucky throws that pole through that one woman, that was also pretty like uh, reminiscent of that like brutalesque style of John Wick.
1: I thought we were at a close to an R rating during that whole hmm. scene. I was like, whoa, this is they. I don't, I feel as if they've never been there before like this. This was yeah. pretty brutal for them
2: yeah it was i thought it was literally just like a few blood splatters away from getting an r rating exactly yeah
0: all right so carrie scott Glenn directed uh the this this again but i think her direction failed a little bit with the uh early madripoor scene especially it failed doesn't have the kinetic energy the um ambiance that it needed to be up to the level of where Coldstat was writing it for in john wick so i think there was some dissonance for me like you could tell it felt like my first reaction when I was watching this felt like I was watching someone try to be cooler and seedier than my source material would allow it to be. You know, it was felt like a, it felt like a, a comic book version of a grimy seedy place that we wouldn't normally want to see inside there. So I, I felt like it was trying. And I thought that that it showed some stretch, which is, Always great for the MCU to kind of move around in there. I don't know if it got what John Wick did. Like it certainly, not that you've told me that because I didn't know he was the guy who wrote the John Wick stuff. It just see that DNA is from there from the beginning. Like you want somebody to come into like this this ex, this dark underbelly kind of out of the way place for the MCU. I would also want the guy from from John Wick to write that for me. Um, but I don't know if they nailed it. I think I think they came close, but I don't know if it really
2: sold it for me. I think I think I actually know what you mean, and I didn't I didn't realize this when watching the episode, but now that you mention it, yeah, it does like have. It, it feels like it's missing something. Like this, uh, like there's nothing uh, that says like Manjapoor to me here. Like this is uh, this is the first time we're seeing Manjapur in the MCU. They don't, and uh, admittedly, not a lot of people know about Manjapur from the comics. How I didn't know <laughs> it was actually yeah. from the comics. I, I think I know what you mean though, because it, it is it's missing that something.
1: I you, you want me to put on my big brain theory
2: cap absolutely as to the right. reasons why
1: I think at that least once you're an feeling episode. that yes. I think that you're feeling that on purpose uh, I think that that was intentional because they don't want to clearly define the rules of the city until there's something that comes out later that's going to be a major focus on it so uh, what do I mean by that I mean you like it was mentioned it's a ba- it's a tie to X Men. So let's wait until X-Men to really dive into the culture of that. So I think that it was very John Wick-esque. I keep on going to John Wick on it just because it it does have that similar feel. In John Wick 1, you don't get a sense of how their whole operation works. You don't understand how the assassin kind of code works. You develop that over time. So I think that this was just a quick introduction because we're just trying to get information. And then I think that we're going to go back to it. Um, so that, that's just, I can understand what you mean. Cause if you look at the first episode of the series and then you compare it to this episode, you're going to be like, what just happened? Um, we went from a slow character development build to now a crazy action packed, everything in your face type kind of thing. And, um, I can, I can see where you feel as if it's a little out there. It was definitely different. And now that you mention it and talk about it, I could see your point.
0: Yeah, and I see your point too, Tyler. I think it's a balance that always needs to be struck. And this is one of the biggest complaints you get with the MCU. How much is setting up the next thing? How much is letting those things go out? And how much is your own contained story in that situation? Um, But I think if you're going to set up something, if you're going to have a location like Madripoor and that's going to be so central that you have to put like the power broker there and then have Sharon Carter there and then have a bunch of other people that are seedy there. I think that it deserves to have more than the basic style that we're looking at. Like, where were your canted angles? Where were the weird camera shots? Where were the more intense sweatiness and griminess that we saw with the stylized New York City? Where was the, the obvious shots of John Leguizamo not being in the same scene as you are, as Keanu Reeves is in from John Wick, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, where, where are all those pieces that don't, that don't happen here I don't think they were trying to do it, but I think by not trying to get to where that script may have or may not have been, we may be extrapolating way in from the John Wick thing, but you had the new music, right? Which is the first cue that threw me is that it's so far in a way what it is. It also felt felt a little more sensational, that music than it should have been for what we were getting on screen. I didn't feel unnatural. I didn't feel like whatever I was supposed to, the music was telling me it was supposed to feel. So I felt some dissonance in there. I was still game to see where they were going. I want to make that clear too. I was still really wanted to see where they were going to get to. I wanted to see the action in there. I think we could have got to the fireworks factory a lot faster and a lot cleaner if they were just going to go ahead and uh, could we had skipped the bar scene and could we have just gotten to the meeting without it. I don't need to see Sam drink the innards of a snake.
1: <laughs> no, I think that scene was totally worth it. Uh, mainly for the winter soldier part. I mean, there, there is something there that Zemo's trying to do in that situation. Zemo, you know, he mentioned to him in the prison scene, you know, there's still something there. There's something there. And then when he sits there and kind of has him act as Winter Soldier, he literally turns to Sam and says, "See, see how easy it was for him to switch back? The whole reason for that bar scene was for that. And I think it's, you know, it seems as if Bucky is going down like an addiction path. He's trying to get out of this, this habit of, you know, his old ways of winter soldier. What happens when you start throwing him going back into that mind space again? Is that going to cause him to shuffle and, and, and reevaluate what he's thinking? I mean, he's doing a lot of legal stuff. He's doing a lot of things that are going to cause damage for the future. People have their phones out taking videos. During that bar scene, what kind of implications is that going to have for the whole U.S. government? If any of those go out, even for Wakanda? What if people in Wakanda sat there and saw after everything he's done for the, as the White Wolf? And now they're seeing videos of him basically being the Winter Soldier again.
0: I mean, and hanging out with Zemo, who he broke out of jail, right? Yeah. Tyler, I agree with you. I think, you know, I, I forgot about that part. I think that scene was still a little overlong, but you're right. It belongs in there for sure. But I don't want to dive into that scene thing, because I know, Tom, you're probably itching to talk about Zemo like in a very deep way because I know I know you're just you've been waiting for him. I mean we've all been waiting for him to show up and you get the purple mask
2: and everything in this one but I'm going to let you I'm going to let you steer this ship. I am so I am so glad that we finally got to see Baron Zemo in his full uh, after what, like five years, we're finally seeing him back. He's fully, he, he's 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 ready to he's ready to fight. He's ready to party. Did you see him dancing in that in that party scene in the club, dude? He had he's got some sick moves. But Besi- outside of the club, he's got some even better moves. He's a, he's a, he's breaking out of prison. He he look. You think Bucky's smart enough to orchestrate that whole breakout? No no no. He threw a note on some on some guy's table. That was Baron Zemo the entire time. He's walking out. He's he's switching guards. He's he's kidnapping people. He's got the whole thing. And then you can. <laughs> there's always something going on behind him. He's got the, He's got that. He's got the cogs turning. You know. Look, I think he absolutely did plan. Like we were saying, that bar scene where people were <laughs> filming him. I think that's absolutely gonna have uh, other int- implications. Like Tyler was saying.
1: You mentioned the bar scene, but oh. I would say even the airplane scenes.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> I, I totally forgot about that. So when they I were all, when, like a, when a, they a were in the uh,
1: the plane. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. I think you can see like he's totally setting up uh, Sam and Bucky to like uh, uh, fail because <laughs> right now they are technically in an alliance. You know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh, but at some point, that's going to end, and they're not going to have a common enemy, and then they just become uh, uh, enemies once again, adversaries. Yeah, I think you can even see like uh, at one point in the episode in the plane uh sam and bucky they're talking about uh isaiah and like the super soldier serum uh and you can see uh zemo in the background like look at sam like oh maybe you, sh- you guys shouldn't be talking about this kind of stuff uh in front of him because like what if uh zemo goes after isaiah now knowing that there's another super soldier still out there he's i just mm-hmm. he's so great i love this i didn't even so think much. of that he's, he's a it's a fun time great addition great addition <laughs> to the cast Let's three
1: He's—he's—you uh, know—I think that in Civil War they—they they really did a good job of of the kind of showing the mastermind ability. In this episode, it really showed the all-around ability of him. I think from his mindset to then also his physical skills and to being basically the MCU's villain, Batman, where he has tons of cars and planes to drive around and basically a ton of money. So uh, I think that they, they're they doing a good job of setting him up to kind of being a larger role. And I'm glad they're giving him more of a personality too. I felt as if he didn't really have as much of a personality
2: um, yeah. in Civil War. I, I definitely agree with that last part with the personality because in Civil War, he very much was just, he was a great villain, but like we knew very little about him besides Dead Family wants no more Avengers. I love how they're showing the more manipulative side of uh, Zemo because uh, I feel like we got that... We we got that a lot actually in a, in Civil War, but this time we're really seeing it more. Uh, I guess subdued. Like you can tell, he is like taking advantage of the situation and all, but he's still uh, he, he's he's not quite um, as out in the nose as it.
1: Do you think? Do you think he took a vial when he was in uh, when he was in the lab?
2: No, I don't. I don't think he. Wait, actually, did he? He might have actually. Uh, I was trying to figure out
1: that scene. I got to rewatch it. But, uh, you know, I know he grabbed the gun, but they, it seemed as if the camera angle looked as if there was something else going on. there. And I have, to re-look, I have to re-watch it, but I wasn't sure if he might be someone who, you know, I don't know.
2: I'll have to take another look at that. Yeah, I, I, I definitely remember him going for the gun. And I thought that was like kind of weird because I, I already thought he already had a gun. Yeah, I'd have to take a closer look at that. Maybe he did swipe a super soldier soon.
0: I was trying to follow that particular set piece pretty closely, too, to see if anybody would have grabbed anything. Did Sharon grab anything? Did Bucky or Sam grab anything? Did Zemo grab anything? And I don't think you could tell. I think if anything, that scene did a good job of making you confused about what exactly was happening once it exploded, because I had no idea what was going on. That's never a great thing, but they did kind of clear it up in a minute afterwards. So so even if we didn't see them grab it, I'm pretty sure if the writers want someone to have grabbed something, they will they will have it later on. Like, if there isn't one more vial of something or other. But uh, before we get too far off of all that stuff, uh, I want to talk about um, Carly Morgenthau again, too. Well, at all, because we haven't talked about her at all this episode. Because you had mentioned about getting backstory and about talking about Zemo and how, you know, it's nice to see him more fleshed out. Uh, I love the idea that he's the MCU's villain Batman. That's that's a clever take on that one, too. Because I really thought that this uh, Nagel dude was also the MCU's version of Lex Luthor, at least in how the actor was playing it with uh, the recent Zack Snyder version of, of Lex Luthor. They seem really
2: like close cousins. I definitely had those those same vibes. Like I was like, th- this is very similar to the uh, DCEU's version of Lex Luthor, very much.
0: Yeah, all those good evil scientists making making life hard for, for our heroes. Carly uh, gets a little bit more pathos. She's got uh, someone important to her who's sick. Not too sure if it was her mom. It sounds like it was a teacher or a mentor or something who's dying of tuberculosis, it turns out. That's why she had all the vaccines and everything. And then it turns out that she's now stealing to help camps uh, who have become refugees after everybody came back. Up until now, she hasn't really like murdered anybody. But then there's a scene, and Tyler, you were talking about this one earlier, where she explodes a building unbeknownst to the rest of her crew after they field supplies back, you know, killed a whole bunch of aid workers from the uh, Repatriation Council. Yeah. Lots of acronyms in this series. <laughs> she seems like she's turned a page because um, we had mentioned you mentioned that seems like maybe she's going bad, maybe because of the serum. You guys were talking about that earlier. But what if it's not? What if she's just maybe that's the end goal? Maybe there's something else with those vaccines or something that they that she's trying to pull off.
1: I keep on getting torn on her character, to be honest. It's just because maybe it's just because I don't feel that that is enough to be the major villain of this series. And I think because of that, I am looking at her as just a plot device that's going to be moving people along in a certain direction and going to be there to provide us information as to something that's going on. Because we have these other characters coming in that it seems as if now we're in like kind of this You know, the office when you have like the shoot off between Dwight, you know, Michael Scott and everyone's pointing uh, guns at each other. Now it seems as if we got the triangle of the power broker, Carly and the Flag Smashers. And then we got Falcon and Winter Soldier all kind of like lined up, you know, not sure who to go after. Yeah, I I thought it was a little bit uncharacteristic of her. It's either that or it was the way for the show to sit there and say, by the way, this person's a villain.
2: I think I think I definitely agree with you where she's not as fleshed out as of a personality as I'd like her to be because I can see where she's coming from because it mentions in this episode how um, uh, she after the blip like she and her family they were homeless they were like refugees uh, and so I'm like okay you know I, I get your I get your uh, motivation here but then like I feel like there's just not enough time given to it, where it's just like I just don't care enough about you really too much like I um, I, re- I really wish they did flesh her out a bit more. Like I want to know more about like uh, what that process was like after she after she was living on the streets. Like give me more of that. Because right now, like you said, it feels like she's just a plot point.
0: Yeah, and there is I think the only thing that's like keeping us interested in in her besides that plot point is that she has that connection to the power broker who, in theory, we never really see uh, on screen yet. Right, we see a couple mentions. Well, we know that they kind of run Madripur and we know that there's that graffiti, their painting on the wall that says uh, "Power Broker is always watching" or something when they enter the bar. And then there's that curious scene, which with someone we haven't talked about near the end, with Sharon Carter and at the at the docks. Where she goes to a car that's waiting for her and is like, there's a problem. And it's like, wait a minute. And then all the pieces kind of fall back into place, right? How did Sharon know to help them at the bar? How did Sharon know how to help them about the bounty? How did Sharon know how to get them to uptown or high town or whatever they called it? How does she have a place? What has she really been doing for the last whatever five years plus since she's become a fugitive? MCU is never going to co- commit to it, and even on their like uh, pictures and everything this early, they're saying like she's still Agent Thirteen slash Sharon Carter when they when they uh, talk about Emily Van Camp uh, her character. I'm starting to think that maybe maybe the Power Broker might be might
2: be Sharon Carter at this point. What do you guys think? I'm not a hundred percent on board with the theory where maybe she's working like she's an ally of the Power Broker. I feel like there's enough hints at it so far that. If she were to turn out to be the power broker, uh, I would not be that surprised, honestly. I think it's a, it'd be a good twist, though. If I was
1: a betting man, I might go all in on saying <laughs> that she is the power broker. And I have a multitude of reasons. Okay, so let's go oh, back boy. to Avengers Endgame, all right? And on the screen, when Tony Stark comes back, they talk about all the people who are missing and they're blipped. You know who's on that screen? Sharon Carter. So for the past five years, she has been under the radar and no one knows where she's been. But then out of nowhere, she pops up in this area. She talks to them about how, oh, uh, you know, they didn't do anything for me and all these different things about kind of a little bit more of her backstory. I haven't seen my family. You can tell there's some sort of resentment towards it. And then she also mentions you still believe in that hero thing. So she's already on a clear flip. Of, of her philosophies of what she thinks is right or wrong. So I do think that there's something there. And then another thing as well, Dr. Wilfred Nagel, he talked about how he was with Hydra. And then after Hydra, he went with the CIA. He had the serum. He, bl- he blipped. He came back five years. No one really cared about him. Who might have intel on things that were going on during that time rather than someone who was actually working there? So I think that this is all the pieces are coming together specifically for her. And why would you have the title episode of Power Broker without actually having the Power Broker in the episode? I think that this was a way, especially how brutal she was in the fight scenes, of them to indicate she's there. And you just don't—you haven't put it together yet. If if I was a betting man, I would put it on that that Sharon Carter will be the villain at the end of the series.
2: Interesting. That's a that's a good that's a pretty good theory. It's pretty that's pretty airtight. Like I honestly don't have a lot of arguments. I just I just I don't get entirely get that vibe. Like I feel feel like she could still just be an ally, or maybe more of an antihero. But you you get did give a lot of good points, and I feel like I'm definitely more a bit more swayed towards her being the. Uh, possibly being the power broker
1: i mean we'll we'll see i mean the the only thing that isn't clear is the motive for super soldiers we don't i mean why is that is it because maybe you kissed a guy that you found out that your aunt is really into and he was he really wanted to go for your aunt i don't know i mean we don't really know too much of the of a motive behind that but when you enter a person's house who has bodyguards and has famous paintings lying around, just automatically chalk that person up as a villain. (laughs) I mean, that just, as soon as I saw that, I was like, what? Like, I understand that you're in the name I'm going to butcher again, the Madripoor. You're in Hightown in which they mentioned, I mean, Zemo kind of mentioned during it too, like that's a nice area. So it's all coming together. All the pieces are, are laying down. We'll see.
0: I also found it suspicious that she cared so much at the, that uh that Nagel got murdered when Zemo shot him. Like it was just random. Like I don't think she was expecting that. Her reaction is, "What did you do? He shot a Karen or Sharon." That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's Zemo. Come on, exactly. <laughs> but uh, all, all kidding aside, um, I think that's a tip of the hand. Like I don't. I think she wanted to try to keep him alive so we can keep making serum for her. That was my. That was the final nail in my coffin. Besides all the well. Laid out evidence that Tyler just gave us, including all the evidence that the show gave us with the the owning of the of the contraband, as it were, the owner of the Super uh, Soldier Serum. But yeah, I guess we're gonna have to see. She's according to IMDb in every single episode going forward. So who knows?
1: I I think we're finding out. I think we're finding out next next episode they're gonna let us know that she she's it. I think that's what they're gonna do.
0: I hope so. You know what? Else I hope I hope there's a lot more of our favorite tool bag, the new Captain America, in the next Ooh. episode because he was only there for. And that was that segue was almost as good as his small parts in this episode, which I which I enjoyed. I liked his I liked his first part where he's just like half clueless and then expects everybody to uh anybody anywhere to have the same respect that Captain America gives uh state side, even if he's not Steve Rogers, which he obviously isn't. Um, what did you guys think of, of the new caps appearances and very brief appearances in this episode? <laughs>
2: is he is he is he kind of like an ass or is he actually like trying to uh live up to the reputation of captain america and i think he really did uh walk that line but now he's just going full on a full-on asshole you know he's 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 in there he's shouting at people you know the guy just spit on him and then he slammed into a pillar i'm just like uh, a a big old egomaniac he's like do you know who i am it's just like all right calm down man you're not. You're not the hero.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that. Uh, I think he's starting to show his true colors. I mean, even at the end too, it kind of seemed as if uh, Battlestar was trying to keep him in check a little bit uh, when. Um, it's kind of weird calling him captain america so i don't even know what what exactly to, i i they remember mentioning u.s agent so i guess john walker when john walker and him were walking down there and he was like oh it was definitely them he's like well we don't really have evidence and he's like well let's just do it kind of kind of keep this down low between the two of us he mentions to him so we're going off the grid he kind of mentions to him this is not the right way of doing it so yeah i i think that there's there's more to come with him but i think that they definitely are setting it up for a showdown between them two and uh Falcon and Winter Soldier. It'll be interesting to know how Zemo would interact with them.
0: Yeah, and I think I think you bring up a good point about like how is all this going to happen? You mentioned the Mexican standoff earlier. You mentioned like all these other different different points, but how does John Walker fit into that triangle because they're ostensibly going after the Flag Smashers either. They don't know anything about the power broker at this point. So, there's a lot of different things like starting to OLS, which I guess you want in a cool mystery like this and everything. Um, and this goes back to my original my, my original opinion of this, of this episode is it feels like there's a lot, a lot of table setting and a lot of exposition on that table to eat in order to get to the yummy, awesome Sharon Carter intensity action, which was one of my uh, uh, big three for this episode was honestly that Sharon Carter fight. And I think this is, uh, it was so good. And you guys were talking about it a little bit earlier too. It's got some, a lot more visceral action, a little bit more struggle, like she's not perfect. You know, She's trying to get a knife out of a and it takes her some time. It's not like easy. And it's not because she's not good. It's just because the other dudes have a power level that is impressive. But I could have watched that fight all day. I <laughs> could have watched an entire, uh, another 10 minutes of that. It, it really made this episode work above average for me. So when I say earlier, like this episode was all right, it's all right, but I would want, I would just to kind of go through that and that that well choreographed
2: fight. Too. I'm going to stick with my boy. Boy, Baron Zemo I mean just that prison break sequence he uh, like he that that was a whole like oceans 11 kind of thing like that was a that was impressive he uh, I really like how they how they shot it and how how <laughs> how Bucky was like okay let me tell you a hypothetical can I tell you a hypothetical and then Sam was like what did you do and it's just like I thought that whole setup was just so great my
1: big three for this one which Joe I think you're gonna be surprised was the bar scene Oh. In Madripoor. And, and the reason why is because, uh, you know, I feel as if the character development of Winter Soldier is really developing. When we first met him in the first episode, he was very timid and trying to figure things out and not sure how to approach conversations. He didn't flinch once during that entire episode. He was going for it the entire time and you could sense the confidence that he had. Now, I think that the issue in which something that Sam kept on looking at him a couple of times, like, are you okay? Because this is, you look off, is that, is he going to take it too far? I think that that will have some, some potential issues in the future, but I did, I love that scene. I thought that, and you, of course, the score came into it just, you, you hit it, the winter soldier. It just, um, and it shows how, prominent of a person the winter soldier was in the community of assassins i mean they always said he was a top top top-notch assassin i mean everyone sat there and turned around when he came in like oh he's he's here i didn't know he's here i mean at the same time i was kind of confused because it was like do they know that he's an avenger it seems as if a lot of people know the events of what happened in endgame so do they know that he fought for the earth i don't know
0: maybe not but but I mean, I'm sure most people know him better as the person who murdered a whole bunch of people, but I don't know. I mean, it's a good point. It's a great point. Like, maybe they don't. Like, they don't know what Sharon Carter did. Like, without Sharon, I guess you wouldn't have caught Zemo, technically.
1: Uh, And the close second for me was also Zemo in the plane, you know, just talking with them because uh, it reminded me of Avengers and when when Nick Fury mentions, uh, you know, we have Loki prisoner, and then he's like, well, then how come I feel as if he's the only one who wants to be here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's kind of how I felt about Zemo the entire time. Was <laughs> it's there's it, there's something going on here we just can't see.
0: Awesome. We got the Bar scene, a breakout, and badassery for our top three this time. So I think it's a good collection. So we've got we've got Wakanda, we've got um, Zemo, we've got uh, the the U.S. agent coming at them. We've got the power broker and. Uh, and the flag smashers for ever looking out for Sam and for uh, Bucky next week. That's a that's literally a handful of threats that they're having to deal with. <laughs> too much, too many for a one-hour TV show.
1: A mini series. Well, it's almost like a six-hour movie. To be honest, it, it's think, you know yeah. it 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 feels it's definitely feeling more like a movie. In which, if you have three hours left of a movie, I don't know. It's it is a lot. I'm not gonna lie. So. I'm expecting more twists and turns.
0: All right. Uh, all right. That's it for us uh, at Advanced uh, uh, Blockbuster Studies. I'm Joseph DiMizio.
2: I'm Tyler Bauer. And I'm Tom Kowalski.
0: Find us at any of your reputable podcast uh, channels now. We're on Apple. Um, we're on iTunes now. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. Almost everywhere you can find us. Uh, let us know. Find us at subjectmedia.org or at... Uh, subject media on twitter or on instagram you'd be happy to hear anything you think about our episodes and everything else or your own fan theories um so until next week we'll have a good one and we'll see you then good
1: job
2: joe the preceding broadcast was a production of subject radio a service of subject student-run media 501 c3 corporation visit us on the web at subjectmedia.org